Today we'll be in Colossians chapter 3. This sermon's going to focus just on the first four verses of Colossians 3, uh, but it's going to refer a fair bit to later on in the chapter, so I'm going to read the whole chapter here today. All right, Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Thus far, the word of the Lord. A few months ago, I was having a conversation with one of my residents. Um, I have conversations with residents all the time, of course, so I don't mean my last conversation was a few months ago. I'm just saying that this was one of them. Now, we were talking about my age and her age and the fact that Being 15 years older, I'm probably a little closer to dying than she is. And so we joked about this subject for a little while and how morbid it is to even think about such a thing. And I said to her then, you could go at any time, you know. And she said, I know. I try to think about that fact from time to time. It keeps things in perspective. And we spend so much of our lives thinking about the things right in front of us, don't we? We agonize over what options to get in a new car or 
ask, do I want to get a new laptop or do I want to get a new tablet? We ask ourselves, oh, oh heck, did I just offend the girl or guy that I like? We wonder, how, how should I dress for church? Sometimes I wonder, how many examples do I need to give in this sermon so I can make my point? Our minds are filled with these sorts of thoughts and questions. And yet, you could go at any time. When you do, few, if any, of these things are going to matter. Because they don't last. Your stuff will be sold or given away. People probably won't remember how you dressed and... I doubt that you even remember how many examples I gave in the paragraph just a moment ago. For even in this life, you know, from time to time, we have the opportunity to see that many things we hold dear don't really matter very much. And yet some things we hold dear we find are in fact very precious. As we go about our lives, it's hard to see clearly to divide what's important from what's not so important. And in fact, what we find is that many things that appeared to have lasting significance really didn't matter at all. You know, immediately prior to these few verses I read, Paul, he directly attacks all kinds of man-made regulations, saying, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So we see that even all kinds of things that look really, really important are actually not important at all and may even be harmful as we aim to walk with Christ. So Paul here suggests to us a shift in perspective. For he says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You know, we don't live a life defined by what we see in this world. We live a new life that reflects Christ's life in his own resurrection. And that transforms our perspective. We have life in Christ. We don't need to seek after things here on earth as though our lives depended on them. For with this gift of resurrection life, we are able to seek the things that are above. For by Christ's blood, we have access now to the throne room of God where Christ himself is seated. And so we are given this perspective. We are invited into the heavenly courts where we can, where we can bring everything that we need to our Father. And he himself knows just perfectly how to answer and so we can receive from him exactly what we need. And in the process, he guarantees our future life. And that gives you a new perspective on things. And so Paul tells us here in verse 2 to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so you might ask, what, what does that even look like in practice? Paul gives us some indication uh, in the remainder of chapter 3. First, in verses 5 through 11, Paul talks about putting to death the things that are earthly in us. He casts his net very widely. He names, among other things, sexual immorality, covetousness, anger, lying. You know, I could sum it up this way. Put to death anything that comes between you and your neighbor. 
for these are the things that are of the earth. So are you prone to anger? Perhaps you even excuse it by calling it righteous anger, not a category that exists in this catalog that Paul gives. Do you make a point of airing you concerns that you have about a fellow church member? Maybe you very innocuously phrase it as a prayer or request. Are you sure this isn't slander? Verse 11 forbids all kinds of man-made divisions within the body of Christ. You know, there aren't second-class citizens in the church. So anything that tends to divide us from one another, Paul says, is to be put to death. But if we put to death the things that are earthly, what do we set our minds on? Well, Paul, in the rest of the chapter, verses 12 through 25, gives us further examples. But even here, we have a nice way to sum things up. Do the things that bind us closer to one another and to God. Be kind to one another. Be patient with one another. Resolve your conflicts and forgive one another. Teach one another the word of Christ, and no matter what you do, give thanks. Live a peaceful family life, and if you have authority, take it as an opportunity to be kind rather than harsh. For this is a picture of what it's like when we will one day live in the life to come, when heaven comes to earth. And some of you have heard me use this illustration before, but I think it suits the purpose well. There was a man being given a tour of heaven and of hell, and he looks in the door of hell, and the he sees there long tables with benches, with people shoulder to shoulder, and delicious, delicious, wonderful smelling pots of soup set before them. It's the most delicious soup that you've ever smelled. I don't know what kind of soup that you like. I have had soup a couple times this week. I had a great tomato soup. I had a cauliflower soup that was simply wonderful and and yet he saw a curious thing. You know, you'd think that being seated at a table with delicious soup, all these people here would be able to eat till they were satisfied. And instead what happens is nobody's satisfied. For all the spoons are so long that even if you hold it in your hand and stretch out all the way, you can't possibly reach your mouth with the spoon. It goes way past the mouth. And so the angel leading this to her then takes the man next to heaven. And the same scene is set before him. Delicious soup. Broccoli, cheddar, and minestrone, and chicken noodle, and everything. And it's just, it smells divine. And here everybody is satisfied. Because instead of struggling and fighting to uh, to try to feed themselves, each person is taking this overlong spoon. Same spoons. Too long. And they feed their neighbor. Each person being fed by their neighbor and feeding their neighbor in turn. Taking care of one another. Showing love for one another. You know, the fact is that our God is love. 
And Jesus tells us in John 17 that there's been giving and receiving of love within the Godhead for all eternity. You know, love between persons is part of the very nature of God. And as we live out love within our own community, we image God better. And as Jesus taught us, the world knows that we are his disciples by the love that we have for one another. And these are the things that really matter. These are the things that are above rather than on earth. And so love makes sacrifices for the good of others. And when you give of yourself for the benefit of others, you know that you've set your mind on things that are above rather than things on earth. But how? How can this be done? I don't have to tell you. You know very well that you really could be more generous, that you could be less irritable. You know that you desire things that belong to your neighbor. These things, these hard attitudes are very natural. And what's more, we become quite skilled at appearing to show love when really we're looking out for ourselves. So how? How do we set our minds on things that are above? How do we show love to one another when our hearts lead us to do otherwise? And the place to start is to remember who you are in Christ. You know, the Catholic theologian Henry Nouwen made this remarkable observation about love, and I want to quote it here. He wrote, A lot of giving and receiving has a violent quality. Because the givers and receivers act more out of need than of trust. What looks like generosity is actually manipulation. And what looks like love is really a cry for affection or support. When you know yourself as fully loved, you will be able to give according to the other's capacity to receive. And you will be able to give according to the other's capacity to receive. I said that wrong, but you know what I'm saying. You will be grateful for what is given to you without clinging to it and joyful for what you can give without bragging about it. You will be a free person, free to love. I think the now one is exactly right here. For if you are in Christ, no one loves you like your heavenly father loves you. And knowing that you are completely loved by him is at the root of all genuine love for you don't have a thing to worry about. You won't worry that you're being taken advantage of. You won't be worried that you won't be seen or cared for. But how? How can you know that you're loved by God? Well, the sign is right here that though you have died in Christ, your life remains with Christ in God. For if you trust that Christ's sacrifice alone makes you righteous before God, then he has delivered you through death, from death. You will probably still die physically, but like Christ, you'll be raised again to a glorious life. For nothing can hurt you because you have been united to Christ and you are perfectly secure. As the Apostle John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. If God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. For the only right and natural response to God's love for you is for you to turn and pour out your love to others. But none of us loves naturally. And so God himself pours love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And so God, by his grace, makes you able to truly give of yourself so that you can bless others, just as Christ gave of himself for you when he died for you. But God won't only let you pour yourself out. No, he fills you and he sustains you. And so he won't let anything, even your self-sacrifice, even your giving of yourself in love, he won't let anything get between you and the glorious life that awaits you in the life to come. And that glorious life is coming. For as Paul says here in verse 4, it's not a matter of if Christ appears. He writes, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. For there's no doubt of this happening. Christ already won the decisive victory against sin and death when he rose from the dead. He's coming again. And all those who have faith in him will also be raised to glorious life. And we will no longer be subject to death and decay. Leslie Newbegin observed that in our sin, we are in contradiction with God, one another, ourselves, and the natural world. And this will be true no longer. We'll be in perfect harmony with God, never feeling guilt again because we walk sinlessly. We'll no longer hate one another or abuse one another or hurt one another. We won't suffer anxiety or depression. We won't hate ourselves or curse ourselves. We'll reign over a natural world as stewards, the way we were always intended. We'll make use of the natural world, but in a way that serves to beautify it rather than deface it. And so imagine the fellowship we'll have. Imagine the worship, the art and the dance and the music that we'll make. Imagine the love we'll have for one another, serving and caring for one another. But what's the chief picture of the life to come? It's the picture of heaven being joined to earth. When we picture a life in glory, it's a life where the last distinction that can be erased is erased. Heaven will come to earth and we will live together with God in this place of wonderful union. And this is what it means to set your minds on things that are above. God dwells in you, his church, by his Holy Spirit today. And the kingdom of heaven has broken into the world already. It awaits its coming in fullness, but it's here now to a limited degree. And when you set your mind on heavenly things, you live according to the reality that the future glorious age has broken into the present historical moment. And so the picture of the life to come is meant to be lived out by us today. And so what do you see in store for God's people in eternity future? Do you see peace? Be a peacemaker. Do you see love and fellowship? Put your love into practice through the fellowship you give to others. Make a meal for someone and leave it for them. Go grocery shopping for someone afraid to go out. 
spend time with people shut in, even if right now it has to take the form of a phone call or a video chat. Be there for the people who need you. Take care of others. Take risks for the sake of others. Set your minds on the things that are above. There's so much more to life than the things you can see with your eyes. What good is it if a man saves his life but loses his soul? This world will never satisfy your deepest longings, and it will fail to take care of you. But God will make sure that he takes care of you. He guarantees it. He will deliver you safe to the life to come when Christ returns. And in the meantime, you'll be giving the world a picture of what that will look like. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would give us a deeper trust in you and give us a vision of heavenly things. Teach us to look to your word for your thoughts, the things that you hold dear, for the things that characterize life in heaven rather than life here on earth. And teach us to live according to these things. Teach us to live according to that heavenly love. And teach us to have no fear. Teach us never to be afraid of the things that this, this life can dish out to us. Teach us to have the perfect confidence of knowing that our life is hidden with Christ in you. And that you will deliver us safe to the life to come. Amen.